Today's guest tells us what happens when the legal system goes after you, even though you haven't even done anything wrong. That's coming right up on this edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Look, if you tried to buy a car recently, you realize you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Auto comes in. Red River Auto is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Auto wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. Red River Auto Group has perfected the online buying process. Just go to redriverauto.com, pick from hundreds of new and used vehicles. You can purchase your vehicle online. If you have any questions, one of Red River's trained experts will help you through the whole process. Red River Auto makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, Order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live in the continental U.S., RedRiverAuto.com. You'll be glad you did. Okay, I am always honored to share with you the best-kept secret in American healthcare, And this is the secret that I believe, had I not found out about it years ago, I'd probably be in a wheelchair by now, and I'm so thankful that I did. Are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness or vertigo? How about problems with your blood sugar, fibromyalgia, eczema, psoriasis, even migraines? Well, the Arkansas Cervical Center might be able to help you even if you don't live in Arkansas. Let me tell you how. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, or C1, which only weighs two ounces. So it's really easy for that atlas bone to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it is designed to do. I had severe hay fever for five or six weeks every spring all my life. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away, and it's never come back. I had terrible migraines year-round. I got my atlas adjusted. They went away for good also. Again, if you're suffering from sinus conditions, allergies, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, fibromyalgia, eczema, psoriasis, even migraines, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation. They've helped me. They've helped my wife. They've helped so many people we know. Please call them to see if they can help you. That number again for your free consultation, 501-279-2009. Now, if you're outside Arkansas and you want to find out more, go to the website, turnmypoweron.com, click on the tab that says Find a Doctor Near You, and I sure hope you can. Now, you've probably heard by now that our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. But have you heard about his new development, MyPillow 2.0? 
It is simply amazing. My pillow 2.0 takes sleeping to a whole new level. It includes a brand new temperature regulating technology which keeps you comfortable throughout the night. The new fabric on my pillow 2.0 dissipates heat and humidity to create a cooling sensation to maintain a cooler surface temperature. This new fabric technology helps regulate your body temperature through the night by creating a lower surface temperature for a more restful night's sleep. You know, core body temperature plays a big role in how well you sleep. MyPillow 2.0 is developed to provide a cool surface, and it's engineered for comfort. Because it's a fiber, not a finish, it'll last the life of the fabric. MyPillow 2.0 is available in four loft levels. It's machine washable and dryable. There's a 10-year warranty with a 60-day money-back guarantee. And, of course, it's made in the USA. And right now, the new MyPillow 2.0 is available on a two-for-one basis for my listeners if you use promo code DWS. And don't forget about the Giza Dreams bed sheets. My wife and I just love them. You can get a set of Giza Dreams sheets for as low as $29.98 just by using promo code DWS. And the first night you sleep on these sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else again. In this economy, instead of buying a new bed, rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper for as low as $99.99. MyPillow also has blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles like plush, waffle, or gossamer for as low as $29.98. Get huge discounts on duvets, quilts, down comforters, and so much more. Use that promo code DWS and you'll get huge discounts on all my pillow bedding, including my pillow 2.0 and my pillow Giza Dreams sheets. And oh my goodness, those my slippers moccasins, I had no idea how good they would feel. Right now, save up to $90 on my slippers, slip-ons and moccasins, marked down to just $49.98 by using promo code DWS. Now remember, That promo code does not stand for washed-up Democrat politician Debbie Wasserman Schultz. No, no, no. It stands for Doc Washburn Show. MyPillow.com and MyStore.com. Quantities are extremely limited at these amazing prices. So please order today. Just use promo code DWS. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We're the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and the Deep State, and let you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 353 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show for Tuesday, February 28th, 2023. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time. A lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners. Most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. On August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States, is a day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. 
If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com. Click on the button that says Become a Patron, and we really appreciate our patrons. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. And make sure you check out our new conservative sports podcast, Red Pill Sports, with my friend Donnie Copeland, which drops Tuesday evenings at 11 p.m. Central. Okay, I used to do a local talk radio show in Little Rock, Arkansas. Less than a year after I took that job in 2014, I discovered a story of a Christian homeschooling family, the Stanleys of Hot Springs, Arkansas, who were raided by law enforcement and Child Protective Services. These folks were at this family's home for five hours, uncovered no sign of abuse or neglect, but took their seven minor children away from them anyway. And it took the Stanleys months to get them back. Much wrongdoing on the part of the state was proven, and yet all these years later, no one has been held accountable. I found out that in much of this country, if you're accused of child abuse or neglect, you're presumed guilty until or unless you can prove your innocence. And if the state actually removes your children from your home, they make it very difficult to get them back. Some parents never do get them back. Apparently, the Fourth Amendment prohibition against unreasonable search and seizure doesn't apply to parents being able to protect their children from being seized by the state. A few years later, a friend of ours lost her college-aged daughter who was on a moped with a friend when they were run over by a drunk driver. The daughter was killed. By law, the daughter's infant daughter should have gone to grandpa and grandma, but instead, the family court judge in northwest Arkansas granted custody to a corporate executive of Walmart and his wife of that little girl. This brings us to today's guest, investigative reporter Mike Volpe. Now, Mike has made it a history of reporting on the abuses of the Child Protective Services racket in our country. Mike has a recent series of articles highlighting how big tech executives get preferential treatment in custody battles on his Substack, which you can find at Michael Volpe, that's V as in Victor, O-L-P as in Peter E, michaelvolpe.substack.com. That took me back to what I already knew about the corruption I believe is endemic in Child Protective Services, and I agree with Mike that this needs wider exposure. Mike Volpe, thanks for coming on the Doc Washburn Show today. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir, and thanks for for all that you do here to try Mm -hmm. to get the truth out about the injustices in our legal system. Now, you've written several articles on your Substack page recently about how big tech executives get preferential treatment in custody battles. Before Mm -hmm. we get into the specific cases, how bad is this trend and what concerns should those of us who are not married to big tech executives have? In other words, is there a wider application for the rest of us? There, there is, because uh, the, what this shows is the, the reason these big tech executives get preferential treatment is, and they're mostly men, but it, it happens with powerful men and powerful women. A powerful person, I, I guess you call it lawfare, they can walk into courts, whether it's criminal court, family court, probate, and have the court system catered to them 
because they have the right lawyers, they have all the right amount of influence. So in in that Silicon Valley area, it's the big tech executives because those are primarily the powerful people. In uh, near Detroit, it's the 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 car executives. In another area, maybe it's some other kinds of executives. It's politicians. You name it, but. If you are in a relationship with a powerful person, if you've had children with a powerful person, if you cross a powerful person, they absolutely can manipulate the court. That's not just a, a local Silicon Valley problem. It's not really even just a uh, U.S. problem. And by the way, the family court system is not simply a U.S. problem. I've interviewed reporters in England and Australia and even though there's obviously some differences in the court systems, essentially the same problems that we have here, they have in England and Australia and Canada, Israel, you name it. Most of what we call the first world, the way custody and CPS runs its systems is perverse. It attacks parents. It destroys families. And it's absolutely a global problem that gets far less attention than it needs to get. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I learned... To my horror, back in 2015, again, the Child Protective Services can take seven minor children away from a Christian homeschooling family, and mm-hmm. and they weren't even in any kind of a, you know argument with a powerful person. Mm-hmm. They just had the the oldest kid at home was chafing at, at, at getting homeschooled and wanted to go to public high school, and uh, you know he found a neighbor who was associated with law enforcement and and spun a yarn, told him a story. <laughs> And that was all it took. Uh, you know, imagine it being compounded by crossing somebody who, you know, actually has a, a lot of money and, and power. Um, so let, let's start with a man almost no one has heard of, but who was co-founder of a company that almost everyone in the world has heard of, Sergey Brin, a name people are going, who's that? Well, he's helped start Google. You have a very right. well-researched article about him on your Substack account. What can you tell right. our listeners so, about his so, case? He is pretty well-known, and he got even more well-known because Elon Musk may or may not have caused the end of his marriage. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, because <laughs> there, 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 were report, there was reporting that was denied by everyone involved that yeah. Elon had had an affair with his now soon-to-be ex-wife, um, and they're definitely getting divorced. The, the corruption here, it's not that significant, but it is important to show exactly the sort of thing that someone like Sergey can do. And he is one of the co-founders, and then Larry Page is the other one. So obviously this guy is a very big deal. Um, in California, and there might be other states that do this, so they have something called private judges. And it's, I guess, like a concierge judge. And so if you're wealthy enough, which obviously Sergey is, yeah. rather than going through the, the regular court system, you hire a private judge. And then that supposedly speeds out the process and makes it simpler. Now, these private judges are not actually private. Uh, they're supposed to follow the same laws that every other judge is supposed to follow. It's just, uh, especially in California, these court systems are backed up. So if you're someone like Sergey Brin, you hire a private judge and things go much quicker. What Sergey was able to do, uh, and I, I interviewed uh, a woman named Susan Bessie. She tried to get information on his divorce, and there was no information. They were able to hide the details of the divorce. And the, 
even though it's called a private judge, all of the hearings are supposed to be open to the public. The law, the, there were gatekeepers who would just constantly tell her, we're not sure, we can't give you any information, we don't know anything. And that's not the way it's supposed to work. And if I was Sergey Brin, there would be many perfectly reasonable reasons why I wouldn't want the world to know the details of my business. But that's not the way it's supposed to work. Uh, and he's not supposed to be able to hide his divorce once it goes into court. Yeah. Um, if you don't want people to know your business, you do what Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen did. They, there were rumors they were going to get divorced. And the next thing you know, we've, we have an agreement. And the agreement was done privately. And no one will ever know how much money they have, who gets the kids when, nothing. And, and that's because they did it in a way to hide it from everyone, which is perfectly legal. Sergey didn't do that but is able to hire enough lawyers to basically run uh, like centrifuge to make sure that even though now it's supposed to be public uh, and things like how much he has in Google stock would would probably be disclosed that he's able to hide. And so it's not that he's doing anything bad. Maybe he is, but he's able to hide the details of this divorce, even though divorces are a matter of public record if you put him into a court, because the courts are ours, not his. As I said, Tom and Giselle never went to court. They went into their lawyer's office, and they hammered out an agreement, and no one will know. Yeah. And and that's their right, and they did it the right way to make sure nobody knows. Sergey didn't do that, but he's able to hide it anyway. Yeah. And, you... and the point I would make, do you think the average person could do that? The average person, they have all of their business there in front of everyone. Yeah. Now, this brings up a bigger question uh, and something that I learned from a guy named Joe Churchwell, who was the uh, attorney for the Stanley family in Arkansas all those years ago. Something you said really got my attention. Uh, By California state law, when you go into divorce court, whether you have a private judge, quote unquote, or not, uh, the details of the divorce are supposed to be public record. And yet, in the case of Sergey Brin, they're not public record. And, and the question, the, the, the point that Joe Churchwell taught me uh, uh, years ago was the state can pass all kinds of laws, but when the state passes a law about what the state is supposed to do, what is the remedy if uh, someone with the state, a representative of the state, breaks the state's own law. In other words, what is the enforcement mechanism to make the state obey its own law? And, and obviously, you know, a judge, you know, private or not, is an employee of the state. So if he's breaking the law, um, the, the, the person, you know, who is being negatively affected, you know, what, what, what is her, her recourse? Right. I, I don't know. It's, I don't know what the recourse is. And, and I should also point out, Susan looked into a, like several of these high-powered executives who had private judges, yeah. and very little of their divorces was available to the public. Even though, again, it's supposed to be that it's it's not supposed to be non-transparent. And there's all kinds of problems that you create when something like that is non-transparent because. Uh, lawyers and judges who may have created a conflict of interest, you're not going to know about it if 
the conflict of interest is in documents that are supposed to be public, but are able to be hidden from the public. Yeah. And so I, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. What, what I do know is I, I haven't found any other state where they have these private judges. It's a very peculiar thing that they do only in California. And I'm not sure I like the idea of these private judges. Um, it, it creates like a two tiered system. One for someone like Sergey, who you know, I, I don't know, the, the private judges are expensive. It's like four to eight hundred dollars an hour. Obviously, if you own uh, a good chunk of Google, that's a drop in the that you know you don't even flinch with that. Yeah. But uh, that that's not available. But the, the average person is uh, prohibited through financial means from being able to get that. So they have to go through the regular system. And all of their business is put out for everyone. Um, and then Sergey is able to hide it. And not just Sergey, a lot of these high-level executives are able to hide their business in a way that, again, that they're not supposed to. There is nothing stopping Sergey and his ex-wife from doing exactly what Tom and Giselle did, which was to hire lawyers, to have the lawyers go into the lawyer's office and everybody argue for a while or however, whatever it does, and then hammer out a private agreement that only stays in the lawyer's office. And then nobody knows who has what. Uh, but he chose to put it into the court system. And at that point, you have to, or maybe not just him, but it was chosen to be put into the court system. And at that point, it's supposed to be a matter of public record. Look, Susan kept calling, when is the next hearing? How do I go to the next hearing? And even though it's supposed to be a private judge, it's still a public hearing, and they just wouldn't tell her. We don't know. So wow. She couldn't attend the hearing. She couldn't get any documents related to it. There's very little that's available to the public. So what corruption is going on? Maybe nothing besides the non-transparency. Maybe a lot more. We don't know. Maybe there's embarrassing things in his private life that's being revealed. And there's one other interesting thing. You know, they, when, when this came out that Sergey's ex, now ex-wife was cheating on him, possibly with Elon Musk. There was obviously a lot of uh, reporting on it. Yeah. Now that he's getting divorced, none of the local media seem to care. Now, in that area, he's a big deal. He's a big deal everywhere, but he's, you know, locally, he's an especially big deal. And the media there just has absolutely no appetite to report on any part of his divorce, even though, you know, he, he would at some point presumably be required to provide financial statements, other things. Who knows what comes out that's newsworthy if uh, Sergey Brin is, being, is getting divorced and they don't seem to have an appetite for it. Yeah. It, uh, you know, and that's, that's interesting. This guy's a big deal. He's an especially big deal in the Silicon Valley world, and there's a lot of media there, and nobody seems to care, uh, even about the fact that he's able to hide it the way he is. Well, I've got a guess on why that might be. Um, I would guess that probably whatever media companies are ignoring this case, who knows, maybe it's because they don't want to have the vengeance of Google suppressing them happen. In other words, <laughs> the guy the guy is a big deal at Google, and you know if you're a newspaper in California, if you're a television station in California, uh, do you want Google to still play nice with you and, you know, uh, allow you to show up well on, on search results 
or do you want them to be upset with you? I mean, but the, the thing I was asking a little bit earlier about what is the remedy? What what can the aggrieved party do when the state is not following the state's own laws? A, a lot of times when they pass these laws, there really is no remedy in there. there there's there's nothing to say. And if this official of our state uh, breaks this law, then he's subject to criminal prosecution. I mean, that that hardly ever happens. There's, there's just, there usually aren't any teeth in a law that the state passes saying what the state must do, I guess. There, there, there can be. One, one of the yeah. problems with this is who who is the aggrieved party? Well, in a sense, we're all the aggrieved party. But uh, if he's hiding his divorce, who exactly is the aggrieved party? We don't know. You know, the, the, the public is the aggrieved party. There's... One other very important thing related to this particular area, and Susan Bassey, who I interviewed, who at one time had a divorce, now she works for Davis Vanguard, she has a YouTube channel as well. She found, and uh, it's called the Santa Clara County Court Bench Bar Media and Police Committee, which is a basically off-the-record secret committee of judges, lawyers, cops, that all get together and... It is a lot of the, uh, the the newspapers and TV stations in that area who belong to it. And what, what she's found and what I found with other committees like this, uh, and there's, there's one in Connecticut, the judges steer uh, through their influences through committees like this, the coverage of the court, which is... Uh, number one, all positive, and certainly stay away from these messy custody and divorce issues and the CPS stuff. And then, look, the other thing is um, the media that is on this committee, they're the ones who get the access. They're the ones who get the cameras in the courtroom for the big, high-profile trials. And then, you know, what, what, what's the quid pro quo? Well, you give us the coverage we want. And that's what the, this committee, at least in part, seems to be, which is it's like an, an access in exchange for preferential coverage. So maybe one of the reasons that they're not covering his divorce is because the lawyers have, have essentially uh, suggested that these kinds of stories shouldn't be covered at all. Wow. Yeah, well, um, that, of course, wouldn't be the, the only area in our society in which the media, uh, at least the mainstream media, uh, tends to uh, to look the other way. So thank God for entities like Substack and what you and a lot of other people are are doing there. But, you know, the, the Sergey Brin case seems tame in comparison to a couple of other child custody cases you've written about recently on your Substack, and we'll be talking about them in just a moment. Have you heard? AT&T recently lost billions on the stock market. Gee, I wonder if it could have anything to do with their satellite outfit, DirecTV, recently dropping Newsmax. And people saying, okay, I'm done. I'm going to get out of DirecTV. And, oh, AT&T, yeah, I'm going to stop using their cell service. Now, if you have reached the point where you want to stop using the cell surface of any of the big liberal cell companies, Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, I have the perfect solution for you. Patriot Mobile, 
America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier. Now more than ever, it's important to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage and uses the same towers the main carriers use, and they have a coverage guarantee, so you're covered, no pun intended. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget, along with great discounts for our veterans and first responder heroes, as well as multi-line users. I know I'm saving money with Patriot Mobile. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're shifting your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. When you become a Patriot Mobile member, your dollars are helping to fund our God-given right to freedom. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Switching is easy. Why don't you just do what I did? Go to PatriotMobile.com or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Make sure you use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier. You know, the great Ronald Reagan said inflation is as violent as a mugger, as frightening as an armed robber, and as deadly as a hitman. Have you thought about the benefits of investing in precious metals? I'll tell you what, I got five profound benefits of investing in precious metals. Number one, investing in precious metals is a hedge against inflation. Number two, it's a great way to diversify your portfolio. Number three, asset liquidity. Number four, Precious metals tend to be a store of value. That means they're an asset, commodity, or currency that maintains their value without depreciating over the long haul. And last but not least, number five, precious metals can be a hedge against geopolitical uncertainty and the struggling U.S. dollar. So we're honored to join forces with Beverly Hills Precious Metals and its owner, Andrew Sorcini. Now, Andrew has been involved in gold and silver for over 40 years. Andrew Sorcini and his team at Beverly Hills Precious Metals know the gold and silver business inside and out. After many years in the markets and collecting precious metals privately, Andrew opened Beverly Hills Precious Metals in 2010 to bring precious metals to the homes of everyday American citizens. Now, we found out about Andrew Sorcini and Beverly Hills Precious Metals from our friend General Michael Flynn. And Beverly Hills Precious Metals now has the General Mike Flynn silver coin that's selling like hotcakes. We're so glad General Flynn turned us on to Beverly Hills Precious Metals. Andrew Sorcini is a frequent guest on conservative podcasts. Beverly Hills Precious Metals is our gold buyer of choice. To learn more about Andrew and his team, just go to their website, bh pmcom The BH stands for Beverly Hills. The PM stands for Precious Metals. BH-PM.com. If you're like me, you have a hard time remembering websites, it's easy. Just do a Google search for Beverly Hills Precious Metals. 
regardless whether you use Google or Bing or DuckDuckGo, whatever you use, it'll be the first thing that comes up. Tell them Doc Washburn sent you. We're honored to be able to tell you about Beverly Hills Precious Metals in an effort to help you in your attempts to protect your family's finances, wealth, and investments. bh-pm.com or just Google Beverly Hills Precious Metals and tell them Doc Washburn sent you. All right, I've been talking about how the world is going crazy with supply chain issues, record-setting inflation, sky-high gas prices, and woke corporations that stand against everything we believe in. We all know how the big box stores are allowed to stay open, all during the pandemic while so many little guys, small business owners, regular people were forced to close. The wealthiest people on earth became better off, while mom-and-pop businesses suffered. The question is, what are we willing to do about it? How can our voices be heard? Well, we can make a difference by voting with our dollars. Why continue shopping at big box stores if you can get the items you need from a family-owned company? Now, finally, we can shop Factory Direct at a family-owned, made-in-America manufacturer. SwitchToAmerica.com is helping Americans walk away from the big box conglomerates. That's why Switch to America was created, with regular folks like you and me in mind. One of the best ways to get around this crazy inflation is to shop with family-owned companies that put their customers first rather than shareholders and corporate executives. A lot of patriot influencers have come on board. I'm inviting you to join with fellow patriots to cut off the cash flow of the big woke corporations that are trying to destroy our country. We are done with the woke globalist operation against humanity. Each of us can take market share away from these businesses that have enjoyed unfair advantages. We can choose to help each other by shopping family-owned, made in America. The website is switchtoamerica.com. Join with over 2 million monthly shoppers that have already made the switch. Let's start voting with our dollars to make sure our purchases are supporting companies that promote freedom. Now an even more exciting addition is fresh American-raised beef. Raised in the mountains of Montana, near Yellowstone, this beef is known as Never Ever. Never has the animal ever been exposed to antibiotics, hormones, or vaccines. This prime or high-choice beef is shipped directly to your door. Pricing and availability is exclusive only to our members and isn't shipped anywhere else in the world. SwitchToAmerica.com is dedicated to offering family-owned alternatives for items we buy on a regular basis. Just go to SwitchToAmerica.com when it asks how you heard about us. Click on my name, Doc Washburn, plug in your info, and I'll have one of my guys contact you. SwitchToAmerica.com. Okay, we're speaking with independent journalist Mike Volpe, and now we go to a couple of cases that sound even worse than the one we've already told you about. First of all, for our listeners, who is Alan Tegason and what have he and his family done? All right, so this guy, Alan Tegason, he used to be like top 10 in Google. He, I think they call it Google Americas, which was like the, the advertising arm of it. Now he's the CEO of DocuSign. So his son, Christopher, he does like an online dating meets a woman named Kayleen Wing, and uh, for lack of a better word, they have a one-night stand, except it's two nights. They have sex twice. She gets pregnant, 
Christopher is like 25, 26 at this point. He starts pressuring her to have an abortion. And there's text messages, refuses to acknowledge this child. She refuses to have the abortion. She reaches out to his parents, tells them that she is pregnant. She gets pregnant. She's living in Utah after she gets pregnant. He's not in the hospital when she gets pregnant. He's never seen his child at the time that I'm about to pick up the story. He's not even on the birth certificate, though they did, at the time that I'm going to pick up the story, have a DNA test that proved he was the father. Yeah. Alan, or not, well, Alan, the, the Ferguson family goes into a San Francisco County courthouse. Remember, she's living in Utah, and they get a protective order stating that she's like a cyber stalker, and then part of the protective order grants Christopher sole custody. The same guy who wasn't in the, in, the, in the hospital room, who was pressuring her to have an abortion, now gets sole custody. They actually have the police show up, grab the child, and bring him to California. And then since then, they hired a lawyer, the Thigerson family, that is. Rappaport is his last name. He's an $800 an hour criminal defense attorney, except Chris isn't being charged with a crime. This guy reaches out to DA's offices all over the Silicon Valley area and has her charged with cyberstalking. And so she's facing criminal charges the child is, I think, either four or five, barely ever sees his mother now. She's facing multiple charges, and the same family that wanted to have nothing to do with this child has essentially stolen him. And they're able to do it. Why? Because he's a powerful guy who can hire a bunch of lawyers who can walk into these judges' offices or chambers and do this. And they just cater to him. That is horrifying. You know, it's one thing for the California legal system to be catering to him. But she's in Utah, mm-hmm. and the the justice system and law enforcement in Utah at some point had to decide, oh, okay, this looks fine. Sure, we'll play along. Can I add to that? Please. I can tell you that in cases that I've covered, 99 times out of 100, if law enforcement receives a court order, regardless of how suspicious it looks or how crazy it is, they will follow it because a court order that carries the exact amount of weight that it sounds like court order. Think about that. That's not a suggestion. Uh, My good friend, Megan Fox, she writes at PJ media and she just covered the case of the rocket children. Rocket is their last name. They were on America's Got Talent, I think. And they refused to go with their mother uh, because she was abusive and they were in Louisiana, and there was a Missouri judge who sent out an order to Louisiana law enforcement to have them arrested, and they did, even though it's a Missouri judge. And you would think, you know, you're like some sheriff in Louisiana going, I'm not going to follow this. No, they, they do. If a judge writes an order, 99 times out of 100, law enforcement will follow it, no matter how crazy the order sounds. Yeah, and for those of us, of course, laymen, for those of us who are not in the judicial system, uh, you know, never got a law degree, never had any law enforcement experience, you you could understand a court order in the same state. You know, what are you going to do? You got to file the court order. But something across state lines, you would think at least the sheriff would call the county attorney and say. Hey, just checking in. Uh, this seems to be 
kind of goofy? Do we have to just go ahead and roll with this because it's a court order? It is from a different state. Does that make any difference? You, you wonder if it occurs to a sheriff to ever make a quick phone call just to double check on something like that. Yeah, and 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 you also wonder if when they make that call, uh, the the lawyers are like, no, you know what, you better follow it. We we don't want to get into a mess. There's a, a couple of things I wanted to add. Yeah, the it, with Kaylin's case, so she's charged with cyber stalkings, which is a re- in in like the GA world is a relatively low crime. It's not exactly the crime that you think. Like if you can get that conviction, now I'm. Going to the moon with my career. The assistant DA that's that's prosecuting, his name is Donald Dubain. He used to be the district attorney in a neighboring county, and then he had a scandal. He was voted out. He moved to be, like, the second in charge. She, it's cyber-stalking, and yet the guy's second in charge. And she said she's seen representative of DA's offices for three counties the county of San Francisco County, it's in San Mateo, one other county, show up at our custody hearings. And, and this is the power that the Ferguson's have. This isn't happening by accident, and it's not happening. It's happening strictly because they can throw that kind of money around. They can hire enough lawyers who can pull influence and, and make this kind of thing happen. The, the highest levels of three DA's offices are going after Kaylin at the same time she has to fight against the, the entire family in child custody. And and who's the victim? Her now four or five-year-old son, who will probably be raised without a mother. Wow. Something that the Ferguson's don't care about. Clearly, clearly. And, and again, I just go back to the, the thought that, you know, you would hope that there will be somebody in the Utah legislature who would become aware of this case and say, hey, guys, um, why don't we pass a law making it a little bit more difficult to do something like this? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Why don't we pass a law uh, stipulating that, especially in child custody cases, if a court order comes from outside this state, there would be uh, some kind of process that – we would have to go through before we would decide if we, as the state of Utah, would agree with the, you know, forgive my disparaging term, the land of the fruits and nuts, uh, California, and just letting a baby be ripped out of his mother's arms. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if that's going on, but I, I certainly think it should. I mean, one of the things about what you and people like you do in exposing the wrongdoing, is it naturally, as Americans, we are into problem solving. We are into solutions. It naturally, uh, you know, brings up the idea of, okay, well, I wonder if there's anything we can do about this. And and, and it seems like this is um, just tailor-made for some enterprising legislator in Utah which, like the other 49 states, they have legislatures and they pass laws and they change laws, it would seem that in a case so egregious as this, you would want to do something to try to stop it from happening again. Right. I, I wanted to point out the judge's name who did this, Richard Darwin, but the the breathtaking nature of what, what happened, they walked, this was ex parte, meaning she wasn't there. 
So they could argue without, and, and ex parte is supposed to be used very rarely, and for this reason, because they're able to argue without her being able to present her other side, because it's ex parte, it's only them and the judge. They're able to say to the judge, not only is she so dangerous that you should give us a protective order, which that might make sense, but also give us a custody arrangement so we can take our child from Utah without her having a say yet. She does a look. Eventually, the person that, that's left out of the ex parte gets a say, but the problem with these ex parte orders is the dynamic then becomes you're guilty until proven innocent. They get to present their side. You don't get to present your side. Obviously, that's much easier to get a, to get a victory. Now you're, you're deemed guilty because the judge has written an order. Now you've got to prove your innocence after you've already been shown to be guilty. It makes it almost impossible, and this particular judge did it. And you think if the regular person had walked in with that kind of a scenario, he would have done it for them? No. I don't think so. And, uh, and one other thing, Kaylin said that, yes, uh, Alan Thigerson's a very powerful guy, but she wanted to mention that, that the mom, Terry Thigerson, is herself a very powerful person, used to be a board member of the school board, and she's done a lot of things, and she thinks she's really one of the driving forces as well. And this is really not just a powerful uh, um, big tech executive, but a powerful family being able to manipulate multiple courts, both criminal and child custody, to essentially snatch a child. And I don't know what else to call this except child trafficking. This kid was moved from Utah to California, moved from the mom to a dad who never wanted him. Yeah, He was pressuring her to have an abortion, and... In the meantime, this guy Rappaport got paid $800 an hour. He's the criminal attorney. They had a bunch of uh, child custody attorneys that they paid. And there's your child trafficking. That That is, it's just horrific. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know, um, you know, this, this lady, this Kalen lady in Utah, who clearly from everything you're reporting is being persecuted by these people for her decision mm-hmm. not to have an abortion. Uh, I, I don't know right. what her legal let, let, recourse let me, is. Let me read. This is what Chris sent to her while she was about five months pregnant. I was certain you were getting an abortion when this first came to light. And that was hard enough to swallow. I feel debilitated by this uncertainty. I don't take abortion lightly. I can barely live with myself knowing I do that but I can't be a real father to this kid at this point in my life. By the way, this whole story is the poster child for, for anti-abortion. Yeah. This kid had no problem having sex with her twice. Yeah. He, he just had a big problem with the consequences of that sex. And, uh, you know, of, of all the things that makes you grow up, it's parenthood. So, you know, uh, you might be ready because she's pregnant. So, you know what, dust off uh, your readiness and go and become a father. But I, it's remarkable that that was like four or five months pregnant and about nine months later because she had the child and then four months after she had the child, they took the child. Suddenly, I guess he is ready to be a father. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, this really makes a good case for laws against abortion because I've thought for many, many years, one of the reasons that it was so hard to get Roe overturned. One of the reasons that abortion was legal for so many years is because there are a lot of guys 
who wanted to use women for sex and then, uh-oh, well, um, oh, you're pregnant? Well, look, here's a few hundred bucks. Go take care of it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's why it was legal all, all those years and continues to be legal in, in a number of states. Um, I, I, I actually have always wondered if it's like the chicken or the egg, if it being legal, like, led to that more uh, like permissive attitude or if the permissive attitude drove it being legal. But there's, there's no question uh, that there is a large portion of our society who uh, sees abortion as like a, a way to wrong a mistake. Yeah. And look, they're, they're, you know, rape, that, that's one thing. This was no mistake. Look, I don't know if they got drunk. Maybe they got drunk. Uh, and you know, I'm I'm no one to judge. Back many years ago, I've had one night stands, but the, but you, when you have sex, you know, you understand that is one of the outcomes. And look, when Kaylin got pregnant, she was determined to have that child and raise the child, so she was willing to take on that responsibility. Chris didn't, and then at some point, the family decided, you know what, we're just going to go snatch that child. Walks into this guy, Richard Darwin's. Uh, chambers, I assume, or maybe maybe he was in his court, presents a one-sided argument. He gives them the child. Then they hire uh, an $800 an hour lawyer. Now, four years later, she's facing multiple charges all over the place. She sees the child uh, in a supervised capacity, rarely. And, and the, I think, I don't know if it was the last thing she sent me, but I, I know that at, at some point in the last month or so, they're even trying to take away her supervised visits. And uh, this Tigerson family certainly feels like they're untouchable. Um, and uh, I know that Caitlin presented this to the New York Times, and I, and I think they did, uh, and, and Susan Bassey helped her uh, try to pitch it, if you will, to some of the newspapers in the area. And here you have a, yeah, a big tech executive. DocuSign is, itself is a big deal, and he was one of the top people at Google, uh, and nobody wants to write about it. Yeah, uh, this is my article was the first, you know, she she put it on her blog. And by the way, the the the, the so-called cyber stalking was she was reaching out. She would send links of like the blogs that she wrote to like like his family and his friends as as a way to try to pressure him. Christopher, that is to take responsibility. And this was the the effective cyber stalking that, you know, when she explained it to me, I said, you know, I, I've done worse than that with my articles when I'm trying to pressure people, I sure. try to find as many people near whatever story I'm writing about and send them a link to an article to try to get, to create buzz. You know, if that's cyber stalking, I, you know, I got problems because I've done stuff like that all the time. Uh, but it, it's cyber stalking. If the family is powerful enough, and you can hire a lawyer. You know, think about what these guys did. They hired a, a defense attorney, not for themselves, but to reach out to DAs all over the area to try to get somebody else charged. And, and you, you brought up a point that I, I don't want to get lost in the shuffle here. When you mentioned that the judge in California's decision against the mother, which led to the court order, which Utah went along with, you mentioned it was ex parte. That means she did not get her day in court. They presented a one-sided deal. Uh, the judge didn't say, okay, well, what's the mother have to say? No, no, no. Ex parte means 
only one party is there. Right. The opposing party does not get to say anything. She probably didn't she, even know I, about the hearing. I want to she did eventually, but he he drew up this order yeah. before she had her chance to say. And that's why these look, an ex parte order is supposed to be uh, my ex is running around with an axe, and I don't have time for us to hold a hearing where both of us uh, get to present sides. I need to grab that child now. That That's the sort of situation in which an ex parte order is appropriate. Yeah. Not, uh, uh, you know, this lady's been taking care of our son for for four months, and we think we should take care of him. Uh, you know, and what are they saying? She's a cyber stalker? Let, let, let's say she is. How does that make her unfit? Uh, if, if they wanted to get a, and that was the thing, if they wanted to get a protective order against their family, which was dubious enough, that's one thing. But in that protective order, the guy wrote a custody order. It's breathtaking the amount of power that these these folks have, the Thigasons. Uh She did eventually get her day in court, but the order was written, the child was taken, and that's what I mean by guilty until proven innocent. Yeah. By the time she got to court, she was viewed as guilty. So yeah. What chance do you think she had by the time she was able to present her side? Very little. Uh, and by the way, the protective orders, they often work like that. And uh, I won't say primarily, but far often than not, it's used against innocent men. Uh, in fact, uh, there's a term that I help popularize called the silver bullet technique, which is the, the use of false or very dubious allegations of abuse to get a protective order, which you then leverage for your child custody and divorce. I, I've interviewed a guy named Neil Shelton, and, and it was used just brilliantly against him. I uh, took away all of his rights, threw him out of his house, uh, and he hasn't seen his kids in over a decade. Uh, and, uh, and I remember Neil sent me an audio of his ex-wife, and, and she, in getting this protective order, and again, he wasn't there, she says, well, he's never hit me. Uh, but but he, I've always been afraid of him, and now that we're getting a divorce, I, I'm just very afraid that it's now now that's like he'll he'll blow up now. So she even admits he's never actually been violent. I'm afraid of him, and you know, I'm afraid. What does that mean? And, and she got it. She got the order. Wow, that's all it takes. That's all it takes to get these protective orders. That's that's insane. Okay, next. As bad as that case was, could you please tell us about another one? Uh, the David Hillard case. First of all, who is David Hillard and what is going on in the case he's involved in? Okay. So he is a former executive at Cisco, which everyone's heard of. He's now an executive at a company called Brando, which I haven't heard of. Yeah. Uh, and his case intersects with another uh, interesting area that, that I think is, uh, is going to explode, and I'll explain why. And that is these very nasty divorces and child custody cases and the children then going through gender dysphoria or whatever you want to call it. And um, the younger case that's out of Texas, that's the one that if you've been following it, the one that everybody's heard of, where the mom is trying to change James into Luna. And something like that is happening in this case. But basically, David manipulated the courts. He... Uh, several years ago, admits to his long-term wife, Joanna, 
that he'd been having multiple affairs and says, let's move from, from San Francisco area to Virginia. That was a ploy. The reason he wanted to move to Virginia is because in a divorce in Virginia, the laws were were more favorable to him. So he moves, he waits the appropriate amount of time, he files for divorce. They move it back to, uh, then they, they, and it was, it was weird and it's hard to explain exactly why all of this has happened, but even as they're getting a divorce, they move back to the San Francisco area and they are living together. There's an argument that, that turns physical and he actually hits uh, Joanna and she, her elbow starts to bleed. She goes for a protective order. David, in response, gets his own protective, doesn't get it, but asks for one. And he claims that she's been withholding some of his property, and that's a reason to get a protective order. And the judge grants each of them a protective order, except he, with one of the two children, refused to bring her back and then would tell Joanna, well, I have a protective order, so you can't go to the house and just would not let her let her see her daughter, and that was the daughter that it, at some point in the last year to year and a half is now. I, she's not transitioning, but she she believes she's a he. Whatever you want to say about it, there's nothing chemical that's happened, and Joanna doesn't see her child almost ever, and uh, and he's able to basically manipulate these protective order laws. What he's doing. Is not something that the average, this is not one of those, don't try this at home. If you go and try to get a protective order and then take your child and keep your child and go, oh, I got a protective order, that's not going to work that way for you. Yeah, This is working because this guy's a high-level executive who has the right lawyers or able to manipulate the system that he's using. Well, yeah, and it's like like you said, long- it's like you said, uh, maybe, maybe very few of us have heard of the company, He's with now, but a lot of us have heard of Cisco, and to leave that and and go to this other company, you know, he's kind of a big deal. Mm -hmm. Right, and he and he hired a very high profile attorney, Matthew Manny, uh, and and he's able, and again, he's able to do this. This isn't the way the law is supposed to work. If you have a protective order against the other party, but there's custody, the way the the with with everyone else. The judge will tell you, you better figure out a plan to make sure the other person has custody or I'm going to hold you accountable. And even even if you got a protective order because they beat the crap out of you, you better exchange that child. And there's a, there's a million ways to do it. You go to a police station, you drop off the child, you leave. The child is at the police station. The ex comes to that same station, picks up the child. There's ways to do this. If they really, you know, there's a million ways to do it. Yeah. Uh, he is manipulating these protective orders, and he's doing it because he's a high-level executive uh, of big tech. And um, it, it's something that, again, that, that these powerful people are able to do that the rest of us can't do. Yeah. I mean, to me, you know, the, these sorts of situations are rife for laws being passed in state legislatures to try to protect innocent uh, parents and children. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, you would hope that something like this would happen, but, but all too, all too often it's, it's, it's not. And these, these, uh, like I say, the, the general application for the rest of us is 
if they can do that to people like Kalen, to people like David Hillard's, uh, you know, ex-wife, what can they do to the rest of us? Right. Well, if you're if you're involved with the wrong person a lot, uh, I I don't I don't like protective orders uh, because they they are abused. Uh, the 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 protective orders create this dynamic of guilty until proven innocent. The, the other problem I have with protective orders is the people you need them against. Uh, you know, it's just a piece of paper. Right. You know, if your ex is, is completely psychopathic and violent, you think them receiving a protective order is going to stop them from going to your house? Now, the thing it does is they'll, if the law is applied properly, they can go to your house once, but if you survive it, then they're going to go to jail. Um, but it doesn't necessarily stop the, the violent person, and it is absolutely misused. As I said, there's a term... The silver bullet technique, which is, I uh, it's used often. There's a there's a video that's on YouTube and other places of a a, a Texas like prosecutor in one of the DA's offices, and she's talking to several uh, divorce attorneys, and she's actually explaining the most effective way to get a protective order and then use it in the divorce. It was shocking. She's actually describing the silver bullet technique, and the shocking part is this woman works for a DA's office. So they absolutely are used. The other thing is um, judges usually don't want to end up being the judge who denied a protective order and then someone died. So they're always going to err on the side of caution, which, of course, hurts the innocent person, and there are a lot of innocent people who is the subject of a protective order. And I'm not saying everyone who is is innocent, but if you're going to err on the side of caution, then, then very likely you're going to award a lot of protective orders that probably shouldn't be awarded. Yeah. And, uh, and then someone – and look, you, if you have a protective order, they can take your gun. They can force you into anger management. Uh, you can lose your job. It's certainly you're going to have to hire a lawyer and go to a lot of court hearings. And the way they're they're used in divorces and child custody is number one, the person trying to get them tries to put the children in the protective order, so the protective order is used as custody. And then once they have, even if they can, whether they can or not, once they have a protective order, obviously. You, you have an order from a judge saying this person is violent, so then you use that for custody, and it's extremely effective. It's very, very effective, and it's used a lot. Uh, Neil uh, is probably the poster child. Uh, as I said, his ex-wife does, admitted he never hit her, still was able to get a protective order. Uh, they get you out of the house. They uh, It's used as leverage, and then you go for custody, and... Um, they're completely misused, and as I said, I don't like them. Uh, there is no perfect system. If you got rid of protective orders, obviously there's going to be a lot of innocent people who are going to be vulnerable, but I don't like protective orders at all uh, because the process is completely jacked up. Yeah, it is It is jacked up, and, you know, I, 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 think, I think here there is a, uh, an elephant in the living room that kind of came to mind when you're talking about the Texas DA uh, lecturing some attorneys on how best to use protective orders, you know, to 
kind of get the upper hand in, in uh, child custody issues, and that is this. So many attorneys who outside of the courtroom may be just paragons of moral virtue in the courtroom and in preparing their case, to them, the highest good is representing their clients and getting the best outcome possible for their clients. And any sense of morality seems to have gone out the window uh, and they just right. they just compartmentalize things, you know, and, and, and so the the, do, the moral question you know, never comes in. It's even more uh, nefarious, I think, is the right word for this with divorces uh, and child custody. Um, in order to win, to win financially as a lawyer, the the goal is to maximize billable hours. So you're not necessarily, you don't necessarily want to even win. You want to create as long a case as possible that goes on and on and on. So many, and and, they, and absolutely there's a lot of divorce lawyers who do this. Uh, I, I covered one in Miami named Dory Foster Morales. Their goal is to create conflict, to get you to hate your ex as much as possible and then to let you file as many things as possible at four hundred, eight hundred dollars an hour. I think she charged six twenty-five an hour. So their their goal is even more nefarious. It's not even to win; it's to create as much conflict as possible, so that they can create as many billable hours as they can. But ethics one hundred percent go out. But not for every divorce lawyer, though. I don't know that many. In in my opinion, I don't know that there are any ethical divorce lawyers. Because if all you do is divorce, I don't know how you can be ethical, but there's a lot of lawyers who do what's called general practice, which is a lot of different things. Yeah. There are a lot of ethical lawyers who do divorce, but as part of a, a larger basket. Um, but the, the unethical ones, it's worse than trying to win. They're just trying to create as much conflict as possible so that they create billable hours. The parents lose and their kids absolutely lose, and they do not care. Uh, I know that Dory doesn't care, uh, and there's a lot of divorce lawyers like her out there, uh, and there's sharks. Now, I, I wrote a book. It's called Bully to Death, and uh, Jim Cottrell represented one of the sides, and he actually advertises this, and he says, we're not the type to settle, so have your wallets out. That's what he advertises. So what, what exactly kind of lawyer is he if his advertisement is, we're not the type to settle, have your wallet out? Well, what kind of a client do you think he's trying to get? The one that wants to destroy their ex and pay you a lot of money to do it. Yeah. yeah no, no question about it. And it's so troubling. I, in a former life, I did uh, talk radio in Panama City, Florida, many moons ago. And I had a good friend, good Christian fellow who was a criminal defense attorney. And he told me that, you know, in criminal cases, no matter who you are, Everybody uh, in our system of jurisprudence deserves a, a, a vigorous and competent defense. And one time he confessed to me that he stopped doing divorce cases when he was in a situation where his client and the other soon-to-be ex-spouse were arguing over a plastic garbage can in the kitchen and he's like, I just, I'm sorry, I can't do this anymore. I just, mm-hmm. you know, so there, 
there are some people who will go to court and defend a murderer, but they just don't have the stomach for divorces. It, it's right. amazing. I think a, like, an ethical lawyer wouldn't be able to stomach divorces all the time because yeah. there is there is a lot of nastiness. But as I said, if you're trying to be honest and ethical, it's really hard to make a lot of money because then what you're trying to do is you're trying to settle you're trying to minimize costs. You're trying for everyone to agree. And how many billable hours in, in it is that? Is there not that much? Now, if you're like this woman, Dory, and you, you encourage your client to hate her ex as much as possible and then create as much conflict as you can and then just drive the fees. In the case that I covered, she charged over four, about $400,000 over a three-year period for one case. That's just one case she oh made six my. figures in three years. Well, apparently, from what you were saying a little bit earlier about um, Tom Brady and now his ex, Giselle, uh, mm-hmm. they, they must have found the needle in the haystack and, and found a couple of divorce attorneys who are like, hey, let's just kind of do it right. Well, they, they may look, we'll, we'll never know, but it, if you're representing Tom and Tom and or Giselle, you probably got paid handsomely either way. Sure. That's correct. And, and look, there, there are those as well. There are divorce lawyers who become well-known for, for representing high net worth individuals who may be doing it ethically. Yeah. I, if you're the sort of person who's trying to uh, keep your business private and you're getting divorced, or you have custody, you have to do it the way Tom and Giselle did it, Yeah, which is you go to lawyers and you settle things privately. Look, that's the, the best way to do it. Uh, and, and what I'm about to say, I have ex- personal experience with this. The problem is and everyone I talk to tells me their ex is a narcissist. Uh, and usually what that actually means is I hate my ex. But like truly toxic people, narcissistic people, it's almost never going to be a settlement. Uh, the only settlement is one where they get everything and you get destroyed that would be the only settlement they have, and they feed off of conflict, and they they have a need to be in, in court where they have this conflict. So that's the problem. It, yes, Tom and Giselle did it right, and probably because at their core they're good, they're decent people, and they're not trying to destroy each other. But if you were in a relationship with someone who is destructive, you should try to settle. Yeah, but it's probably not going to happen. You have no, you're not in court because you want to be, you're in court because you've been left no choice. Uh, and then you have to find the right strategy. And, um, you know, even in the best of scenarios, the courts, if they're not corrupt, they're, they're incompetent and they're inefficient. So uh, even in the best of scenarios, don't expect it to end in a week or two. Uh, you know, it'll take months just to get a, a court hearing. And then that court hearing is probably not the last hearing. And it, it it takes a while. These the they're mentally exhausting, psychologically destructive. These processes and court is is a just an all consuming process. And sure. divorce, child custody is just that times a million. And uh, there's a lot of things that we can do. And there's actually there there are several laws all throughout the country that in my opinion have varying degrees of effectiveness there's one in california called peaky's law there's a, a law that's being proposed in new york called kira's law there's uh 
Grace Sims Law in Florida. Um, there's a new proposed law in Missouri. They, they haven't named it, but it's SB 359. So um the legislature is waking up to this. So my advice to, to the people listening who have been wronged in, by CPS, by divorce, by child custody is continue to contact the, the politicians because it may seem like they're not listening, but they really are. Uh, over the last five to ten years, uh, there, there's been a lot of movement. So th- they are picking this up, and they're starting to recognize that there's a problem. And there's a natural progression of this. Don't expect things to be fixed overnight, but the fact that there are laws popping up everywhere, not necessarily perfect laws, but that even imperfect laws is a sign that it's working. So continue to contact them and continue to talk about it. Excellent. Uh, Mike Volpe, the cases that you have laid out for my listeners today really do sound like horrific miscarriages of justice. You've done a great job of shining the light on these harrowing tales. Um, you know, here you're telling me that there are some signs of hope with some laws being brought up in legislatures in several different states. Let me pose a hypothetical to you. If the chairman of the state Senate or state House Judiciary Committee in the state of Utah were to ask you, what can we do uh, to try to keep cases uh, like the one with Kalen having her baby stolen by a person who wanted to have an abortion in the first place over in California. What can we do to try to protect people in a situation like she is in? What, you know, what would your advice be in drafting legislation to make it more difficult for situations like that to happen? I, I don't know if I have a law that would fix Kalen's situation, but the, the law that I, that I, that I have proposed, and my friend has a, a website called writerlaws.com. Uh, I called it the Elaine Podlowski Act, and, and you need to come have me back on about who Elaine Podlowski is, but she's a corrupt guardian at Lightham. But the law would outlaw the appointment, not just of guardian at Lightham, but all of these court appointees, and that's one of the biggest problems with the with not just child custody, but including CPS. When, when you get involved with CPS, CPS will then get guardian at Lightham and other people appointed. Uh, what they do, I get ri- do not allow the court to do it. They can't. You, you make a law that, that forbids the judge from appointing anyone. Uh, what these court appointees do, whether you call them guardian at Lightham, custody evaluators, psychological evaluators, sometimes there's parenting coordinators, there's an alphabet soup. Number one, they complicate an already complicated process. That makes no sense. Number two, they make a process that's already expensive, even more expensive. So uh, they don't help. They, they Look, there are good guardian litem out there. There's good custody evaluators out there. I'm not saying that if you have one, that guarantees that they're going to screw you over. But in general, they don't help. They always cost a lot of money. They always complicate an already complicated situation. So um, th- that's number one. I you can't required either cameras in the courtroom or at least audio in the courtroom. And I know that it, not everywhere, but I've done a lot of work in North Carolina, and I would say about ninety to ninety-five percent of court hearings, all court hearings, uh, civil, criminal, have an audio recording that's available to the public. I've asked for it. I've put stuff online as a result of it. Uh, the other thing that 
that I like is to have a law that requires that no more than a year from the filing of a petition, you have to hold a custody trial if there hasn't been a settlement reached. Um, you, you have to have deadlines. I, I worked with a guy, I wrote a book about a guy named Chuck Bernicci, and he was, he was very successful, and one of the reasons was he always set deadlines. But you have to have deadlines. Yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> there, there's things that the federal government can do, because one of the problems is there's too much money, and there's a part of the Social Security Code called Title IV that uh, is a bunch of funding streams. There's also something called the Violence Against Women Act that I would get rid of. That's a funding stream. And there's another uh, set of funding streams through fatherhood.gov. The Violence Against Women Act pervert things in favor of women. The fatherhood.gov funding streams pervert things in favor of men. You get rid of all of that. You get rid of Social Security Title IV. It gets complicated, but it perverts not only the child support process, but it definitely perverts CPS because it actually it gives uh, these social services money for taking kids, for holding kids, and even for adopting them out. So when you get into the crosshairs of CPS, they have a financial incentive to be in your life in a variety of ways whether it's just to do in-home visits that they get money for, to take your child and put them into foster care as opposed to with a relative and even to adopt them out. So you get rid of the funding streams, and, uh, and that will help, help things out a lot. But um, the way I always describe this is any law, there are three, three problems that you have to solve. And if you can solve at least one of the three problems, I think you're, you're helping the system. Number one, judges have too much power. So it, your idea needs to reduce the power of judges. Number two, the system is too complicated. So make the sim- system as simple as possible. It's court. It's always going to be complicated, but you can make it simpler. And number three, there's way too much money in the system. Get rid of as much money as possible. This thing with getting rid of all of the, the court appointees gets rid of a lot of their money. They're all charging 200 to $400 an hour. You get rid of all of them, and a lot of that money goes away. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's a good start. That's a good start. Uh, Mike Volpe, thank you for a very informative uh, interview. Again, uh, your Substack for everybody who wants to find out more about this, it's michaelvolpe.substack.com. We appreciate so much you coming on the program today. And uh, anything else you want to uh, say to our audience before we wind this up? No, I think that's it. Thank you for having me. Very good. Well, as we say here in the South, Mike Volpe, y'all come see us. Anytime. Thank you. God bless you. Appreciate it. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. What an interview. Did you have any idea? Did you have any idea that this is what people can be up against in the judicial system uh, when they're dealing with child protective services, for that matter? Very enlightening. No question about it. Okay, it's that time again. Hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by Red River Auto, the big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice online. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental USA. 
Today's tweet of the day is brought to you by Mira. Uh, the tweet handle is Millennial Other, and she goes by Mira, which is probably her first name. And she says, the House Judiciary Committee is having a normal one. Here's Representative Steve Cohen trying to dunk on Justices Thomas and Alito before attempting to lecture us on the Constitution and ultimately declaring that it is, that it is the government who gives us our rights. Let's see how much of this we can stomach. Supreme Court, it's been astonishing how that's been, uh, they perverted the, the, the methods to prove Supreme Court justices and put in this radical right-wing court. And, and Mr. Uh, Clarence Thomas said that the, the, the miscegenation laws uh, would be, could be next. Now, he didn't mention miscegenation. That's one of his favorites. Uh, he, he, he talked about some, some other laws that could be. Uh, Wait a minute. You just said that Justice Clarence Thomas said the miscegenation laws could be next, and then you turned right around and said he didn't mention the miscegenation laws. Which is it? Who are you, Swalwell? Who are you, Adam Schiff? No, you're the tragically liberal Steve Cohen representing Memphis, Tennessee, in the U.S. House. I don't know. Can I put up with a little bit more of this? Uh, it, it, the, the due process that might be jeopardized. But the fact is Mr. Johnson was here. I think Mr. Johnson's not here now, is he? He, he talked, I'd like to have asked him some questions about God-given rights, and he was saying that these are all, all our rights are God-given. And that uh, I just wondered when God decided to give women the right to vote and why God didn't decide to give women the right to vote back in 17, uh, 1700s. The Constitution was drawn up in the 1780s. Uh, I can't believe God would say, no, women shouldn't have the right to vote and just decided that in the 1900s. And when God decided that slavery would be illegal, God was okay with slavery until we had a war where millions of people were killed. Then God changed his mind. That's hard to get fathom. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I can't put up with any more of this. This guy's a knucklehead. And I probably... Oh, knuckleheads, uh, an apology for associating this guy with him because he's a lot worse. Steve Cohen, I can only put up with so much, and thankfully I don't have to put up with any more of his foolishness. You've been listening to episode 353 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us, and we love them. Yeah, If you have any questions for us, email us. Our email address, contact at docwashburnshow.com. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a Terribly Messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it the Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X, Senior Vice President, Engineering, IT, and Interoperability for the Doc Washburn Show. That's the way it is. Tuesday, February 28th, 2023.